0: coming up next on the passionately married podcast
1: we as men do virtually everything that we do on a feedback basis from women we build bridges we create businesses we give value we okay. would we really do anything if it wasn't for women like would we get out of bed <laughs> Like, what's, what's, what's kind of the point of all this? What are we doing all this for in the end? Maybe so. You know, I, yeah. think be, I think we'd probably just drink ourselves into a stupor and all do, you know, jump off bridges <laughs> or do high risky things until we wipe ourselves out pretty quickly if it wasn't for having women around.
0: You've probably heard, Pam, that um, the phrase size matters or size doesn't matter.
2: Yes, I've heard that phrase.
0: So over the (laughs) last few decades, uh, according to trends in male reproductive health, sperm quality and testosterone levels have declined in the past few decades.
2: Sperm quality. Okay.
0: Yes. Okay. And and testosterone. Okay. There's there's an impact on male reproductive systems, which then led Michael Eisenberg, MD, a professor of urology at Stanford Medicine. He wondered what else might be changing. So he went out and did... Uh, a study and uh, published on Valentine's Day in the World's Journal of Men's Health. They compiled data from 75 studies between 1942 and 2021, and have found that the average erect penis length has increased by 24% over the last 29 years.
2: What penis length? Yes. Okay. So, so how does that correlate to?
0: It doesn't. These worse aren't correlated. Quality. These are just um, that's some of the trends that's happened on the reproductive uh hormonal side Fun has facts. gone has gone down. Okay. But apparently size is going up. So we got that going for us.
2: Okay. Fun fact. And so do
0: you have that going yeah. for you apparently. Okay. So
2: <laughs> I don't know that sperm quality is something we want to say we that declining is something we want to have going forward. No. What does that mean for our kids?
0: Uh, well, or lack thereof Scarcing. potentially as we go on down the road. Well yeah. this is Passionately Married podcast alongside my wife Pam. <laughs> We're having honest conversations. Uh, to try to help frame your conversations and actions that you can take in your marriage mm-hmm. to propel life forward. Uh, if you're new to the show, check out the Starter Packs. These are episodes uh, arranged by topics or best ofs, and you can go to passionatelymarried.net forward slash starter. And if you have some feedback, let us know, 214-702-9565. You can leave a voicemail there or text that number or email us at feedback at passionatelymarried.net. So today's one of those interesting days with the show that um, this is a guest, Mark Rosenfeld, that he is an Australian guy that is known in the as a relationship coach. Uh, he's got quite a platform on YouTube and he really focuses on women and the dating and the relationship world. Okay. Um, and so he has a book out there, Make Him Yours, mm-hmm. and he does a lot of really good... Uh, creative things to help women when it comes to just dating and enhancing their relationships. Okay, And so this, today he joins me and what was interesting about this one, Pam, you, you've, you've heard this. so I
2: have, yeah. We
0: just jumped right in. Mm-hmm. There was no small talk. There was no banter. We just actually started the conversation. As soon as we got on, I hit record. Um, we were off and running
2: mm-hmm.
0: in a conversation about, I mean, the way I'm framing this is just this is a conversation about men and women. Mm-hmm. Because we kind of go all over the place with it, but it was a fun dialogue on just how does he see things, how am I seeing things?
2: Well, and it's an interesting dynamic in in talking about. Uh, I think there's good information there for women to hear about men, and vice versa. Um, I, you know, the comment of vulnerability versus weakness. I, I, and you'll hear that when you listen to the show. Mm-hmm. But. There's some good things to just food for thought, even, I mean, he, his focus is more on women in the dating world, but this is relationships in general. This, all this stuff applies to married life and Mm -hmm. how our relationships are. And, you know, the, the comments about, um, you know, for a husband, it's harder to take feedback from a wife than it is your friends. I mean, there's, there's some good data in there for us to think about when we're, Talking when mm-hmm. we're going through all kinds of life scenarios with our spouse.
0: And on today's episode, uh, this is the regular version is this conversation. And then it just continues on into the extended. Mm-hmm. And so if you want to catch the whole conversation, you wanna join us at passionately forward slash academy. That's how you can join the extended version, which means there's no ads and it's longer conversations and join the academy and get access to a really cool group of people mm-hmm. and so this this was a fun dialogue. It was one that after it was all done, it was like, wow, that went completely
2: yeah. can we keep talking?
0: differently than I was <laughs> expecting it to on just because it did not follow the normal schedule that we mm-hmm. follow all the time. So all that's coming up on the show. They could, yeah, because it's this is the one thing I have so um tell me if I'm wrong on this, Mark. Um and maybe this is something we need to actually be recording. Well, I am recording, I can put this in here. <laughs> but but um it's the so th- some of the st- some of the work i do uh, i do a lot with husbands i do these husband mastermind groups helping men just be better men because the best aphrodisiac in married life in my opinion is character and consistency mm. that's what creates more energy in life and i kind of get the same sense you do a lot of that aimed towards women of it's about honesty it's about being true to you it's about living your character it's not about playing or posing or it's it's staying in your lane of who you uniquely are right right 100 percent. okay yeah so so it seems like all the stuff i have come across because i've done a lot of over the years looking back at the red pill blue pill uh the player mentalities you know all the different things that you can get just statistically speaking in dating you can find somebody to date that doesn't necessarily apply to married life. It can, but it does yeah. you know, and it's
1: just I think I don't know if we want to dive into this. I think there's sort of an interesting conversation there about particularly for men, you know, with women now having incomes, with women now being able to meet some of their needs themselves, as opposed to say sixty years ago. And you could tell me if you disagree, you know, my experience working with women is that women are still looking for some of those traditional pieces. They still want to feel safe. They still want to feel taken care of physically, financially. But because women now have their own incomes, because they have four walls, a lock on their door, because they can do some of that themselves, the weight has shifted mm-hmm. a little bit. And I noticed that women are now much more aware, especially women when they enter their fifties their and we're seeing that when divorce happens, we're seeing women are the primary drivers, you know, the emotional needs, that side of the spectrum, if it used to be, you know, 10%, it's, it's a much bigger number now, whether it's 30, 40, 50, it, it depends on the individual. But the reasons mm-hmm. that women are coming to relationships is is a little bit different now, there's that extra set of sort of emotional needs and emotional pieces that, that they want to get out of a relationship and obviously a marriage. And I think it's tricky for men because men are kind of adapting to this. Now women have had incomes and been in the workforce really properly for 50 years. And men are starting to go, Hmm, on the one hand, when I'm in dating women really appreciate me when I take charge, when I make decisions, when I'm sort of playing a bit more of a traditional role, when I'm strong and when I'm taking, taking names in life and going out there fearlessly and being authentic and whether it's authentic in his life or authentic with her, it's a very attractive, powerful frame. But It's almost like when you get to relationship, you need to have both gears. There are plenty of women who say, my husband's kind of lost his spark. My husband's lost his drive. He's he's comfortable now. And Mm -hmm. if I'm being really honest, I'm less attracted to him now. And then 10 years of that, it's like, well, now I want a divorce or I'm tempted to cheat on my husband and I'm getting these feelings that I want to stray. Um, But on the other hand, I also talk to women who say, actually, my husband is still attractive to me. He still has that drive. But I'm either getting, there's either toxic patterns happening. I'm getting some of his unprocessed trauma placed on me, or maybe he's losing authenticity in other ways and and straying or not knowing how to be with his emotions to such an extent because he was never cultured that way. That's like, I I don't feel the emotional connection. And I think it's a tricky balance for men to get right. It's kind of like do all this stuff, right? Be attractive, but then have this other gear that you can occasionally not too much, but occasionally <laughs> right. go to so that you can provide some of those emotional needs. Don't be more emotional than me, but be emotional mm-hmm. enough to get my emotional needs met while still being a man. It's a it's a tricky balance for men in just in
0: taking up the relationship. What what, com- what comes to my mind with this, Mark, is the idea that um, you know, Brene Brown does the vulnerability begets bon- vulnerability, uh, daring greatly, you know, that's kind of where she kind of made her mark was this idea. And I remember listening to one of her talks that, that's alluding to what you're describing, that she was talking about the importance of vulnerability and a husband and wife came up after her talk. And you know what I'm talking, you know where I'm going with this, right? It's, and, and it was this whole, I don't know if I want my husband being that vulnerable because it kind of changes my perception of him. If he's too vulnerable, it, it takes away some of that solidness, that strength, that bravado, that whatever that endeared her in the first place that, you know, so I, I totally understand what you're describing. Of it. it's, it's tricky for both genders. It is. It is. And,
1: and there's certainly you could say, well, women also do need to be more comfortable in, in their vulnerability and giving feedback to men around this. But I think especially when it's chronic, you know, when it's happening all the time and when the woman starts to perceive that instead of vulnerability, what I'm getting is quote-unquote weak or victim behavior, which is really not his yeah. most authentic energy as a man, when it goes down that line, it can become honestly unattractive to women. And, and I think it's hard because, you know, when you're in the dating market you kind of get that feedback immediately, right? If a guy goes into the right. dating market and he does those behaviors, he's not getting second dates. He's often, uh, if you know, if sex is something you're open to early on, that's not happening for him. He's basically not doing right. well. But sometimes those difficult conversations and that feedback, you would think, well, we've been together five years now. We know each other we can talk to each other but sometimes it goes the other way right it's easy to say stuff in in dating when there's not so many uh the stakes aren't so high things are not so scary Mm -hmm. you don't really know each other that much but when you're so much closer in a relationship it's like as a woman how do you give a man that feedback that that yeah you are falling into patterns of your weakest self that you are losing some of that drive that authenticity that attracted me to you in the first place It's hard to give that feedback, especially because women are typically more empathic. They have more of those mirror neurons. But if they're not able to give that feedback and if the man doesn't figure it out, then they just slowly become less attracted to their partner or their husband, which is really sad.
0: Yeah. And and some of this is is the state of a long-term relationship. That's that's some of the risk of it, too, of we become complacent. We become uh, where we know each other too much, where we see, you know, because that's I almost hear you describing this, mark, is as the idea of this is um, figuring out that sweet spot of how am I being me while being influenced by my partner too? I, i'm I'm speaking their language, and i'm I'm their their pressure to have helped me evolve to something. Is is there as well as wait, this is still also quintessentially who I am and as I'm designed or wired or cultured or <laughs> whatever yeah. whatever. I loved how you talked about
1: differentiation in one of your recent podcasts. And you know, when we grew up as kids, we're obviously dependent on our parents, and then we go through a phase where both as young children and then obviously as teenagers, where we realize, oh, I can do things separately. And It's a challenge to lean back into interdependence and to be close to someone while still being differentiated. Mm -hmm. And I think that's one of the great growths that relationships can teach you is how can I actually still maintain myself? Because let's be real, it's kind of easy to do it when you're single. You don't have anyone too close. You don't have anyone sort of asking you, I need this from you. I would like this from you. You don't really have to set too many difficult boundaries with someone you really love, Mm -hmm family maybe but not intimate relationships so it's a bit easier Mm -hmm. but then when you go towards relationship you've got this different type of growth where if you have a pattern of say people pleasing if you have a pattern of not speaking up maybe if you have a pattern of not being introspective on some previous trauma or something it's a lot harder to to deal with that when you're close to someone because they can really see it and You know, especially as a man, I don't know if you've ever had this and this could be a little bit of my own somewhat avoidant attachment style, but it's so much easier to feel like if we can go away and deal with something shameful on our own or just kind of be away, you know, if we have a failure, if there's some shame we need to process, it's kind of easier to go and do that in a corner, right? Or in a cave where someone can't really see you and then you come back and you're strong and processed it. But doing that in a marriage when someone can see it and is close to you it's it's scary and it as we were speaking about earlier it can trigger some of those well is my wife going to see this as weakness is she going to be less attracted to me there's that kind of balance as you were talking about that Brene Brown refers to is like how vulnerable am I allowed to be before I cross a line of kind of losing my authentic masculine drive and masculine traits
0: yeah and it's almost uh, I just had this quote sent to me uh, the this, just this week of or last week I guess it was of uh, what we're talking about that um, vulnerability is an element of uh, uh, disclosing who you are so that they can experience you and feel you, but then that can easily creep over into um, like emotional dumping which is a yeah. vomiting of your emotions and venting and everything that goes along with it, where it's just like, I'm just offloading all of this, not for the purpose of you understanding me. It's more for the cathartic release almost. And so there's a difference in these two because v- vulnerability is sexy. Emotional dumping is yuck. You know, That <laughs> doesn't provide right. much right. going in the long run at all for
1: yeah, and vulnerability takes so much courage, you know. It's it's a sign of strength, but it's different to the traditional strength that is sort of putting walls up, pushing back, being unaffected. Mm-hmm. Vulnerability is kind of opening doors, letting walls down, actually being affected. But it can cross that line into, okay, are, are you just dumping on me now? Are you just venting right. your emotions? <laughs> um, right. And right. that's not really attractive to anyone, is it? And that's why I think... We need to get that feedback from the world, but when we're not single anymore right. and we're not getting the consistent feedback from our dates, you go out on a date and do that, as I say, you, you're not getting a second date, but to get that feedback from your partner, not only is it harder for the partner to deliver, but I think especially for a man when it's coming from a woman, you know, we can take, I think, feedback that's a little bit harsher from the bros, from the guys. like. You know, mate, get your stuff together. You're better than this. Pick it up. What are you doing? It's unattractive. <laughs> we can kind of handle that from the guys, and it doesn't quite hit us the same way. Hearing feedback from women, especially a woman that you're so close to, it can really hit our wounds as guys. It can really get into that mm-hmm. core. If we have a core trauma, if we didn't have a good relationship, maybe with our mum, you know, if there's things there from our, our dad leaving early or not being fully present. The woman's feedback can just hit us harder. And so our Mm -hmm. ability to be in a relationship and process that and not want to just run away and not want to just go into a shame spiral or just become a victim of it. That I think is one of the greatest masculine challenges in relationship is taking that feedback and not letting it obviously it needs to be delivered correctly, but taking it and running with it and not letting it hit your core character, your core self.
0: Okay, so I want to I want to land on this for a second with you of so you're what what's your hypothesis on why we could take that from our bros, maybe, you know, from from another the fellas I run with that know me. Right. This isn't just the this isn't just the Friday night crew that they sort of know me. This would be some guys that I they they know me like they're in my corner. We've got some history together. They've seen me at my best and at my worst, possibly that what is it that makes it to where that is land land? I have a hypothesis too, but I'm curious what yours is. That yeah. makes that land easier than when a woman that knows me, because I'm I'm using this in a marital context. Um, sure. What is it makes it easier to hear that than it does from a wife? Honestly, man, I think it's mostly biology.
1: We as okay. men do virtually everything that we do on a feedback basis from women. We build bridges, we create businesses, we (laughs) give value, we... Okay. Would we really do anything if it wasn't for women? Like, would we get out of bed? And be like, what's, what's, what's kind of the point of all this? What are we doing all this for in the end? Maybe so. You know, I didn't yeah, I don't think there be. I think we'd probably just drink ourselves into a stupor and all do, you know, jump off bridges or do high risky things until we wiped ourselves out pretty quickly if it wasn't for having women around. So, okay. you would know that, you know, in a relationship, a woman's feedback is how we. How we see blind spots. It's how we her feelings Mm -hmm. specifically is how we know if we've affected her positively or negatively. Appreciation Mm -hmm. goes along. Oh, I've positively affected her feelings. Great, do that again. Negative feedback, or you affected my emotions in this way, allows us to consider if we want to change our behaviours, etc. So, I honestly think a lot of it is is biology. The other piece is that when you've got someone so close to you, that person is now meeting a higher percentage of your needs. So let's say, for example, your wife is meeting for a man. I mean, it's probably 70 plus percent of his emotional needs. Most of us guys are not so good at having those things with our, with our guy friends. So you have someone who has a much higher stake in okay. your emotional needs. And so when your buddies say it, you know, not only do you not have that biological basis, but your best mate might be meeting 20 percent of your emotional needs, 30, maybe 40 if you're really good with your best mate. Another mate might only be ten. Your woman's meeting sixty or seventy. So I think between biology and the fact that she is meeting a much higher percentage, it is easier to feel more scared at that point because essentially you have more to lose. That's my hypothesis. So I, okay. I'd love to hear yours.
0: No, I, I think I think that's I think there's some there's some real overlap on the way I would think of this too because I hear this as um, I can hear it from another guy differently. But it almost lands it's, it's the same language, if you will, right that there's there's a drive, there's a bond, there's there's not that undercurrent. You know, it's not the other side of the coin as emphasized as much. It's it's the it's the drive. It's the go out and conquer. it's the you know it, there's an innateness in there. But I think when a wife sends it to me, um, it hits on it, it brings that other side of the coin into the equation, which can scare me. It can frighten me and it also puts into jeopardy the the possibility of not having her available <laughs> right of, right, of if she's is. pointing out something if yeah if she's pointing out something to me that is true because the reason it's it, from my experience with my wife for 29 years now the times that my that Pam scares me the most are the times when what she's calling out in me has large percentages of truth associated Agreed. with it right? She know, she's seeing it accurately. It's not the whole story, because obviously she skews it to her side and how it completely impacts her. And But there is a percentage in there that is absolutely true. And now all of a sudden, this puts me in the predicament of, and this is where I think the differentiation growing up in marriage comes into play. Um, now I'm in this element of this crucible of how do I honor and give credit to what she's pointing out, and see it. I could evolve and be better and grow, but I don't have to get to exactly her paradigm. But I do need to move towards it because it's better for me, right? I mean, this is yeah. this is the way for for an easy, practical example. Um, I, I most, maybe several married people, maybe your experiences. This, this been too has been this too, Mark. That um, driving for some reason. I've even seen some of these memes out there on in the social world that. I drive like this and it shows a guy just kind of driving. He's real casual, but wife thinks I drive like this. And it shows this, like he's just chaotic, out of control, risk taker going to jump off bridges and go to the, you know, yeah. and there's that element that, that plays out between us. And what I've recognized is she's not wrong with her experience. Right. Right. It's, it's hers. That's her so real experience. How do I Right. How do I adjust to acknowledge that experience? Not just make sure I'm, totally slowed, you know, accommodating so that she completely feels safe because I, I don't know if you possibly can do that in today's day and age. And would she even want it if you did that? Okay. That's fair. Cause I, I've just noticed one of the things I've had to do better is whenever we go on, uh, she helps me navigate someplace. Like we've, we've traveled uh, all over the world at times and, when 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 we get in stressful situations and I'm a little heightened boy I don't take I don't take feedback well. Yeah, sometimes, right? Even yeah. when it's positive, even when it's helpful. I'm still on edge, I'm anxious, right? Yep. Yeah. And so what I'm what I see that now is it's not about her having to deliver it differently. That it would be great if that kind of evolves and we both come to this place, but it's me recognizing and being better at she points something out and me rather than oh, I know. It's me going, thanks. Even if I knew it, I don't have to. It's not a one-up, my way, your way tension. It's more of a, it's tension. But yeah, thanks. You're right. And then I kind of evolve and I shift and I go, you know, and then that's more collaborative sort of. It's still combative. I think there's still some combativeness in there, but but it's just, I think that's kind of the dilemma that makes it different when it's male, female versus if it's two dudes, if you and I are in a car and we got a long time history with each other and we know each other pretty well, you'd be like, dude, you knucklehead, you just missed the turn. I'm like, oh, shut up, man. You know, and even though you're right, then we can kind of play it off each other a little bit better and it doesn't land as deep. Right, right. And
1: you're talking there about receiving the feedback from that sort of calm, cool place and understanding, look, even though we might be in different places on this, I think my driving's here. She thinks my driving's here. I'm not being sort of activated in my trigger state by her feedback i'm receiving it as a collaborative effort
0: right Right. and i, I mean to me that's what relationships are designed for is that's the that's the crucible as dr schnarch would, would refer it is I, I put myself in situations with somebody else that's going to challenge me <laughs> no way around it right
1: right because you're always going to have that difference there's no there's no getting around that and i think that's it's almost a little bit when you're moving, if we shift to our focus to a bit earlier, it's a little bit like moving into a house together. And in that first couple of years of the relationship, there's going to be so many differences that you didn't realize in the first few months of dating. Mm-hmm. And like when you move into a house with someone, you go, oh my God, she's messy in the bedroom or oh my gosh, he doesn't do the dishes till the next morning. There's all these things you don't realize. And as you go further along, there's always going to be clashes. Conflict is sort of seen by some people, not by yourself and your listeners, I'm sure, but by some people as a dirty word. And I understand because so many of my clients have never experienced healthy conflict. They go, conflict? Oh my God, that's my parents arguing. Don't want that Mm -hmm. in my relationship. But conflict Mm -hmm. is one of the healthiest things you can have in a relationship because it means that two people are in full expression and your ability to just sit with that together and be, hey, we're different in this spot. And as um, Dr. Gottman talks about, you know, this is just a acceptable long-term difference. You're probably never going to drive exactly like she wants. She's probably never going to drive exactly like you want. But it's one of those things where we go, hey, we have a conflict here. We appreciate each other's position on it. And we get on with our relationship and continue working as a team through it. <laughs> it's a lot of growth to do that. And it's a growth you don't really have to deal yes, with it when is. you're single.
0: No, and I get it because don't we all want uh, just a level of comfort zone living, if you will? That's why when we're alone, it's easier to do that. I can create my environment that's conducive to my comfort. But when Mm. I have somebody else doing the same thing, there we go. We got problems because I'm comfortable with uh, clothes just at the foot of the bed because I'm going to work out in the morning or maybe I'll get get them around and take care you know, but it's just, I'm comfortable with that. Whereas my partner would be like, no, I'm not. It has to be ordered and in place. And so we're both fighting for competing comforts.
1: Yeah. And I love the idea of staying out of your comfort zone in your relationship, because I'm sure I've sort of heard you talk a little bit about this. When we're dating, you know, we have this beautiful balance of, we get kind of the highs of seeing each other and then we get the lows of missing each other. And there's sort of this constant, oh, when we're together, I'm really present with you. I'm putting effort into you. And then I go away and focus on other priorities. And we kind of miss each other. Right. And you can lose those polarities when you live together, when you, when you get comfortable. You sort of, you lose the presence and the time together is not as real or intense or as exciting. Anthony Robbins says, you know, just date at six years like you did at six months. Just do all the same stuff. And you'd be fine, right? But not only do we lose some of the presence, we lose some of the time apart. And I don't know if you agree or listen to a lot of Esther Perel's work, but I've certainly found for certain clients when they've got that really present time, then creating some space around it. A lot of it is essentially just going back to dating. It's saying, hey, sometimes I have other priorities and you're not the priority right now. You know, obviously if there was an emergency, something you would be, but I have other priorities in my life. But then on the flip side, when we have that present time, it's really juicy. So again, you have a sort of wave pattern that comes very naturally to us in dating. But it's so easy in relationships to kind of get in that comfort zone. And the comfort zone, really, it can be nice. But I had one of my highest, most respected coaches say to me the other day, he said, Mark, do you want to know the way to ruin someone's goals? Absolutely take them out. And I said, what is that, Ben? And he said, just bring them over to your house give them great food, great entertainment and comfortable accommodation and you'll just take them right out of their goals. And I thought gee that's so interesting that when we're too comfortable as we can get in a relationship we really can settle and we need to as men as, as men especially you know we need to remember to be proactive in leading parts of the relationship so that we can have that beautiful balance of, I'm going to be really present with my person here, with my woman here. Mm -hmm. And then when I'm not with her, I do have other priorities and I do set boundaries and Mm -hmm. I can differentiate. And women won't always like it. At least this has been my experience, but they will certainly respect that in a partner.
0: Mm -hmm. Tell
1: me if you disagree.
0: No, I, I don't, I don't disagree at all. I'm just thinking that I think that the reverse is true too, that a husband can respect that in a wife yeah, hundred percent. She has other priorities, right? Whether it be a job, whether it be a, uh, hobbies, or friends, or kids, or whatever, where it's like, you know what, honey, you're on the back burner for right now. I'm taking care of this, right? Oh, I'm, so I'm attractive. doing this, and it, it's so I, I think it can be. If it, and again, I think we're talking about this whole. I mean, Mark, I've kind of come up with the idea in my mind that makes sense. Is we live life in all the different systems and dynamics we live within. In the, in the elements of the bell curve, right? That we've got a lot of room in the middle here. Right. When I go to the extremes on either end, I've got problems. Yep, right? that can be applied. So those outlier, it's more than long tail things. Yeah, absolutely. But more I got a area. lot of wow. variable in the middle because there's some people that we don't need as much together time or as much away time to still have that energy between us. Because I love Esther Perel's statement of, Our erotic energy and our passion largely resides in the space between us. I mean, that's the mission we've got with Passionately Married now of cultivating that space between us, cultivating that conversation between us, because that has to be honored to create that life-giving aspect of what marriage can be for the long haul. And I think that's one of the greatest growth
1: of relationships, isn't it? There's certainly growth in being single. You you challenge yourself. The dating market is always a challenge. And, you know, there there is no question there is growth and self-improvement available there. But it's a different growth and self-improvement compared to what you get in marriage. And I think once you kind of are doing pretty decently you know, in dating, when you're single, you've improved yourself. It's one of those things that can have diminishing returns. It gets less fun and less fulfilling the longer you do it. And you start to realize, well, actually, mm-hmm. when I connect with someone really amazing from being quote unquote good at dating, oh, I've met someone amazing now who challenges me, who grows me. You know, you start to go, well, I don't I don't want to lose this person. I want to keep growing with this person. And that's where those relationship challenges kick in, and having some of these difficult conversations that you're talking about, and differentiating with each other, and setting boundaries when you're scared to do that because you're so close now, you definitely can't get that kind of growth from just staying in the singles market.
0: <laughs> right. Well, that's that element too. If you're, you're talking about it's easy. It's easier to have a comfortable zone when we're when we're alone because we don't have that feedback saying, "Hey." Have you, do you recognize what's going on here? Do you recognize if you just, you know, exist on TV dinners and binging Netflix mm. every night for the rest of your life, it's going to shorten your life dramatically, <laughs> right? Yeah. So there's, there's a pressure there of, oh, hold on. Um, you're right. Maybe I need to lean into this discomfort, take on a challenge, do something that, that truly does expand my comfort zone. So, man, this is this is one of those conversations that uh, I come across them every so often, Mark, but where it's just kind of this energy of, like, there's just a kindredness and a, a like-mindedness and an overlap enough that it just flows. But uh, for those that have been listening, how do they find you to get more? Yeah, thank you. Thank you, Corey. I appreciate that.
1: Where, where are you from? Next time I'm in town, I'll have to drop in. Um, <laughs> I... Uh, if- people want to find me, they can go to makeimyours.com. That's my website. Or if they just want to search my name on the YouTube channel, Mark Rosenfeld. That's F-E-L-D, Mark Rosenfeld. They'll find heaps of stuff there.
0: Perfect. And I'll, I'll put all that in the show notes. So, Mark, this this has been a real joy. Um, I love I love the overlap, and you seem to be kind of landing in the world of let's help people recognize what relationships can be even before they're in them, (laughs) rather than trying to figure out what's going wrong now that I'm in them. (laughs) Right. So uh, kudos on the work, man. Thanks, man. Yeah. I think we're living in such an individualistic
1: culture now and it's so easy to go our own way that we're forgetting that relationships when done right can be super, super rewarding and quite frankly, are how we are designed to live as humans. So let's have more people in them.
0: That's great man thanks a lot. thanks for having me, Corey.: So it's back-to-back weeks now of um, we've had cool accents I on this
2: <laughs> I, do, I do love <laughs> listening to the Australian British yeah, yeah there's, fun so, there's something
0: fun about mm. uh, the voices from around the globe that join the conversation or that are doing things in the relationship and just betterment of people world.
2: Yeah. No matter the accent, we're still human, right? It's still the same issues back and forth.
0: Totally. Yeah. Because relationships are taking place worldwide and a lot of the dynamics we face are worldwide. They're the same. Yeah. Uh, Because it's two people involved and there's just tension that can come from it. And so this, this was a fun dialogue.
2: Yeah. Love the synergy.
0: And a fun conversation. Well, if you like the show, you can help us out by rating and reviewing the show on Apple Podcasts. Please follow the show there, Spotify, however you choose to listen. And also drop a comment. Uh, if we use your comment on the show, we'll hook you up with a very special gift. Uh, but leave a comment on Apple, Apple Podcasts. Your feedback and your comments help spread the word about what we got going on, and it'll help other people too. Transcripts are available in the show notes on each of the episodes' pages. You can find all the advertisers' deals and discounts on each episode's pages as well at passionatelymarried.net. Please consider supporting those who support the show. So wherever you are, whatever part of the world you're in, because um, oddly enough, this was an Australian guy talking to me from the States. That was kind of cool. I was not <laughs> okay. expecting that. Okay. Uh, but wherever it is that you've hung out with us for a little bit, we say, we say thank you and we'll see you next time.